Well, welcome back to another edition of our sporadic uh, schedule them when we want to schedule them, fit them in when we can squeeze them in podcast, break the ice. Today joined by Caps defenseman John Carlson. And, um, you know, typically like, I, I like first welcome. Thanks for, for doing this, Carly. Um, and, and this is kind of cool because it's roughly, it's close to the 10th anniversary of your, your NHL debut. That was just last week, I think. Um, but I've always enjoyed talking to you right from, from the day you were drafted. You, you have a little bit of a gift for Gav, even when you were a teenager. And, and, um, so I spent a lot of time talking to you in in a locker room over the course of a season, but it's, it's all day to day stuff, hockey stuff. So we'll, we'll, you know, this will be fun. Hopefully we'll, we'll get to talk about some stuff that we typically don't, uh, get to talk about, um, do a little bit of a deep dive back into the, uh, the makings of John Carlson or John Norris, however, however <laughs> come people, on, folks, not from you. However, <laughs> people want to refer to you. I mean, it was it started with Ovi, so you know you, you got to follow the captain. Um, first off, like where where would you consider yourself? People ask you where you're from or what's your hometown. What do you tell them? Uh, I'm from New Jersey. I mean, realistically, I was only in. The Massachusetts area uh, for maybe one or two house league games when I first started playing. So um, pretty much my whole hockey career, especially, I was definitely uh, from New Jersey. Yeah, Natick, right? Was was where you were born. Uh, Natick right? was a hospital. Yeah. I was actually oh, okay. born in Marlboro. I see. Everyone knows Marlboro if right. you're a traveling hockey parent because there's a enormous facility up there that yeah. has just about. Uh, yeah, you know, all the tournaments up the East Coast. Yeah, I've heard of it as well. I, I actually lived in Framingham for a few months when oh. I was a kid, which is right next to Natick. Yeah. So yeah, uh, I actually know Natick as well. Um, but so you you played for the Jersey Rockets there as as a teenager, and um, what what led you to you had a little trial there? I think you were sixteen. You went to um, Indy. Was that in Indianapolis? The yeah, so I think what you're referring to is that I kind of, I guess, I didn't even know this was possible, but they they were down a few bodies, and um, I got to go out, I think, for maybe one or two or maybe three games yeah. um, just for kind of just to fill in. And, okay. Um, you know, that was the year prior to me actually right. going to Indiana. But, time. yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty cool, especially for me moving away to be able to – um, just kind of experience that for a, sh- a week or so and, um, you know, see how the players at that time were, you know, billet families and yeah. getting to the rink and getting around and all that kind of stuff. So what was that experience like? Because I'm guessing you, you you had the billet family, you had the, the schooling, you were still, I think, 17, the, the year you were there full-time. And, I mean, Indianapolis, that's probably one of the biggest. I guess Chicago was in the league then. Yeah. That, that was a bigger yeah. city, but um, – what was that experience like? Yeah, it was awesome. I I tell people they were probably the nicest people I've ever come across mm-hmm. being from Massachusetts and New Jersey, kind of families based out of there. Yeah. Uh, it was uh it's a different style of life. It was it was awesome. They you know, have plenty of friends um along the way from there and I think uh yeah, I had someone uh, Michael Del Moro, he played for the Rockets. He was a couple of years older than me. He was actually playing um for Indiana that year before. So mm-hmm. um, just seeing him around, being close with him at the time. And um, I had a pretty good feel for what I was getting into and wound up living in the same house that he did, which is where I stayed for that little um, 
you know, period the, the year prior. So, um, it was great. Hockey was, was great. I, I love the city. It was a cool, you know, way to get away from home of living in New Jersey is a lot different than no living doubt. a lot of other places, especially in the, in the Midwest. And, um, you know, I really enjoyed my time there. And, and there were a bunch of guys on that team, that indie team, the year you were there who had some vague caps connections at the time, guys that, uh, the Caps had drafted that that never made it to the NHL. Brent Gwitt and Brent Brunito were there, mm-hmm. um, um, but also, I mean, Scott Darling was on that team. Uh, Cameron Schilling and Paul Carey, a couple guys who later on were your teammates uh, here in here in Washington. Did you, what was um, what was it like finishing school in that sense? I mean, because I'm guessing you you had the typical high school experience early on, mm-hmm. and then you're doing I'm guessing a tutoring type situation, or yeah. how did that work? Yeah, it was. Uh, we, we went to a high school cathedral, um, high school, and me. It was me, Ian Rule. Um, and I think there was maybe two other guys. So there was a handful of us that that went there and kind of tried to battle through it together because we were the travel isn't uh, that easy, and they don't really slate it for you know, kind of just weekends per se. So, um, we missed a lot of time. We had a lot of catching up to do. And, um, you know, you think going into it, like, oh yeah, we're going to have plenty of time on the bus. We had a pretty nice bus, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. I've seen those tricked out buses. Yeah. We, we had a, we had a nice one, but you know, when push comes to shove, it's, it's tough when there's uh 23 animals running around oh, in God. there. So you actually did go to school in Indi- Indianapolis. Yeah classroom and all that stuff but you just a lot of times weren't there and had to make up the work yeah exactly there was a few big ones that you know maybe were kind of questionable on on (laughs) our end or the school's end but um for us i you know we worked hard we we uh we did we got through it definitely um and it was a great school great kids great teachers that we had a blast that was uh, a really fun year in my life what was what was the best road city in that league? And what were road trips like in that league? Because I mean, you're only 17. You're not can't really paint the town. You can't. There's yeah. not much you can do. Yeah, yeah. The road trips weren't very memorable. I'll say that. I think um, I, I don't even know if we've really stayed in too many hotels to be honest either. Because we were kind of sleep you know, on the bus. Yeah, exactly. On the, on the way somewhere. Always. Yeah. That's kind of what it felt like. Uh, do you keep in touch with any of those guys from those days? Yeah, Ian Rule was probably my my closest friend on the team. We went to school together. Obviously, he was my age um, from Detroit, and now he he ironically uh, moved here about five, six, seven years ago. Um, so he's a guy that uh, you know we still keep in touch. Patty Cullen, another guy yeah. that I played with there, DC. Yeah, um, Gonzaga kid. Yep, yeah, yeah, I watched him, and he yeah. Uh, yeah. he's a little bit in between here and Philly now, but he's he's around too, and see him quite a bit as well neat i'm always fascinated too by um you know it's it's such a lottery really your career how it plays out you get drafted and your story could turn out 30 31 different ways depending on who drafts you what the situation is when you get there who your teammates are all these things coaches uh assistant coaches they all have a you know they all play into it they all um have a bearing on on how you're going to turn out, how everything's going to play out. Um, who do you think, over over all the years you've played, um, what teammates do you think have had the the biggest influence on you at, at whatever level? Um, 
Well, I think you obviously have a bunch of influence from from every step, and I think uh, my kind of path was playing in a lot of different uh, places in a short amount of time. You know, in almost two two and a half years, I was in Indiana, London, and and Hershey. So, um, you know, with a training camp mixed in here, yeah. so that's a lot of um, different great coaches being um, you know coached from. There's a lot of great players. I I think that. Um, you know, what's able, what's made the Caps able to have the success that they have is the leaders that are, are here now. So whether, you know, we were best friends or not coming into the league or coming into this situation, I think that, uh, you know, you watch those guys and what they're able to do and how they, uh, treat certain situations and especially, you know, how they kind of think the game. I think, uh, anybody's lucky to, to be, around them to learn from them and um yeah I, I think those two guys are you know maybe not uh gonna draw up x's and o's all the time for for players but um just to be able to watch them day in and day out and learn from them as uh was a huge asset for me or especially early in my career which two guys uh Ovi and nick oh, okay um <clears throat> What about like uh, I? Cause I think right now Jonas Siegenthaler is in a good situation, in that he's able to watch you, and you know Radko Gudis and uh, you know a bunch of guys, Michael Kempney, who are in that same age range. You guys, the other five regular defensemen here right now, are only separated by. I mean, you guys' draft years are like all oh eight oh nine, and um, you're only separated by eighteen or twenty four months birth wise. It's a cluster of guys who are really kind of in their prime and and I feel like that's a good situation for a guy like Jonas and for a guy like Marty Fervari when he gets here when he's here um and I don't know that you know that's always been the situation I think if you go back to before you were here guys like Steve Eminger and and Sean Morrison who were trying to you know crack as first round defensemen like yourself trying to find their way into the league they didn't necessarily have those those type of role models whether it was forwards or defensemen so you know I I think Timing is is important. When you show up a place, what what's in the cupboard there when you get there? Um, I, I I've always been fascinated by that kind of stuff and and the impact that it has on on a player. <clears throat> like when you got here, uh, Mike Knubel was here, and a lot of guys point to Mike Knubel as a guy who was you know just a a good pro, a guy that you could watch how he prepared every day. Um, and I and I think that's important. Fedorov was another guy too, and I know you, you had a little bit. Um, uh, reading an old media guide that you actually were a Sergei Fedorov fan before mm-hmm. uh, before he arrived here. And, I mean, I guess you guys didn't even overlap no, just here. Just camp. missed, yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm just wondering, like, what what is it that that goes into that, that, that player who who is that leader? Whether, you know, not even necessarily being a vocal guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and how much of that have you absorbed? Because you're in that position now, too. Yeah, I think um, early on I, I I should have thrown noobs in there as well. I think he was, um, you know, the guy that kind of everyone, you know, if someone was thinking about something, it kind of always, you know, he was kind of the final say and a guy that everyone just respected so much that, you know, whatever he said or whatever he was doing, we, you know, you kind of fall in line with yeah. with that uh, train of thought. And I think that those those type of things are, are just the culture that, you know, if you do have those those guys when you're coming up you kind of embrace them and then even a little bit later on we had Brooksy and he was kind of um 
very similar to News, yeah. most likable guys that uh, learn a lot from, um, you know, you need a couple of those guys for certain situations just to say, you know, this is right and this is wrong. And as simple as that, it means a lot to to everyone else. And um, so I, I think we try to foster that same thing for the younger guys now. And um, we got plenty of young guys through the pipeline in the last couple of years that are here and, and obviously still in Hershey that, um, you know, we, we do try our hardest to, you know, foster that same relationship and um, learning aspect that, you know, we all were blessed to have coming up. What do you remember about your draft day? It was in Ottawa. That was the year of the year of the defenseman. One of there's, you know, every few years there's one of those, ah, that's a good year for, for D and that certainly was. And, uh, I think you were the 12th one taken in the first round. And uh, were you thinking you were going to go in the first round? Did, was your interview with the Caps a good one to the point where you thought, at, at you know, when they made the trade to slide up to 21 mm-hmm. and make a, a, a pick there, they, they took Anton Gustafson. Did you think they might have taken you then? Um, actually, not necessarily. I think kind of around that time it was looking, you know, I feel like a lot of teams had – two picks in the first round. There was a lot mm. of kind of teams that were picking twice that have already picked defensemen um, kind of in that range. So I was um, obviously wanted to get drafted in the first round. I think that's a pretty good benchmark to goal to reach for as I did. And um, yeah, but I, I didn't have any expectations really on or feel for, oh, this team really likes me or this team really likes me. Um, you'd hear about in the USHL kind of which scouts were common mm-hmm. more than others and yada, yada, yada. But, um, you know, there's so, so many interviews um, th- through the combine there that, you know, you feel pretty good about a lot of them and just a little off on a few of them. But um, I've heard plenty of stories that, you know, there were players' worst interviews were the teams that wound up picking mm-hmm. them and, and stuff like that. So expectation-wise, I didn't really have much. I just, you know like you always talk about, just getting that shot. I think when everyone gets drafted, they're usually, the you know, the highest players from certain teams and certain leagues, and how does that boil down into a pro career, an NHL career? It's um, it's a lot about, you know, what situation you come into, and uh, that was kind of maybe the only thing that I wanted was a, a really good situation and obviously a good team, and um, the Caps were, were all of that. Do you think that the group of you guys, the those first-round defensemen that year, because, I mean, Drew Doughty, uh, Alex Petrangelo, Eric Carlson, yourself, a number of other, um, you know, pretty good ones. I think those are the elite ones. Um, did you guys sort of measure each other? Were you sizing each other up and, and sort of wondering, like, where am I going to go in relation to this guy? Yeah. I think I'm better than this guy. Yeah, I think there was a lot of guys that I hadn't played against really I mean I didn't play too much um you know international hockey to that point I didn't I wasn't in the OHL yet so I didn't really see many of those guys some of the Toronto guys I guess uh in minor hockey but you know kind of after 14 or 15 you don't you don't see them for a couple years so I really um couldn't have told you anything about those players whether I thought I was better or worse or not even in the same league I, I really uh didn't know how, how much time did you spend or did, were you aware of like the central scouting report or did you read any of those uh, draft publications and 
and whatnot as, as far as what what those type of uh, yeah. analysts thought of you and were you in agreement with, um, with most of it? Do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I didn't really have enough of uh, an opinion to no, just uh, what they said about you. Oh yeah, I I, I didn't read too much. I. I would have to go back and, and read it to really uh, yeah. give you an honest answer with that. But um, I, I remember when, you know, kind of the first, I think it was around September, October, something in November, maybe they kind of started their first one and, and they rated me pretty high. And I was like blown away. I didn't even, I was thinking I was going to get drafted maybe, but I had no clue kind of where I would fall into that equation. And um, it was definitely a shock when I, when I heard I was, you know, rated pretty high. I, I read a couple of the uh, the reports. Went back and, and read them. I thought they were pretty accurate. You know, they they had it pegged. Obviously, that that you're a really good skater. The size was good. The other thing I, I thought that that they nailed was you are really self assured, even at that age. Not cocky, just really self assured. And I'm wondering where do you think that 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 came from? Because that's something a lot of people, whether they're athletes or not, would just kill for that that attribute. Yeah, I think it's just part of my personality that, um, you know, I've I've obviously been super competitive my whole life, and um, that's pretty much all I did my whole life was compete, you know, against my brother, against, you know, whatever sport I was playing, um, you know, which we did pretty much daily my, my entire life. So I, I think I always had that um, side of things, and, and I think just being – more laid back has helped me especially as a defenseman maybe it wouldn't have helped me as much as a forward but as a defenseman I think it's um it's really helped me just you know kind of have a poise with the puck and um wait for certain things to open up and and then I I think I just kind of read the game and study the game and try to um you know stay up to date on on everything to make sure that uh you know, your mind is your biggest asset out there always, I think. Um, and if you're patient and poised, I think you allow that to to bleed through more so. Yeah, see, smart hockey sense, that was another thing that came up, and you, you obviously have and had that in spades even at, at that age. Um, like we talk about, your story can turn out different, you know, depending on what team drafts you, but there's still you still retain some control and and a good example is you know within weeks or a couple of months after the caps draft you there in 2008 you decide to you know i think you had been committed in, to some degree to mm-hmm. go to UMass um i'm not sure which campus but then Amher- um, Amherst Amherst yeah. um and then uh at the last minute and maybe not the last minute made the choice to go to London so what goes into that decision and how much thought over the years have you given to how things might have turned out differently had you followed through with UMass? Um, yeah, I think it, it's played an enormous role in my kind of development. I think, um, you know, my whole thing, I was obviously sold on, on going to UMass, and that was kind of my dream as a kid growing up to New, in, in New Jersey is if I could get a scholarship to go play hockey and get a degree and have fun and you know, be close. I wanted to play in the hockey somewhere to, um, you know, see that side of my family that, you know, I obviously didn't live near my whole life. So, um, that was, that was a big one for me and kind of you just reassess like anything else all the time and trying to make the best decisions for yourself and try to get as many opinions on it as you can. And, um, 
it obviously came down to my decision, but I think, um, you know, I was sold on, on going to the OHL. I didn't think, um, I didn't think it would be London. Uh, we were, you know, trying to, um, go to Kitchener actually. And, and then, you know, I guess it's a blessing in disguise that that year Pete DeBoer left. So that was kind of, if I could have played there, I was going to be pretty happy. And, um, all of a sudden London just drafted me out of nowhere. And, um, again had to reassess the situation and decided that it was uh it was a good place for me and turned out to be um an awesome place to learn from Dale and be on an elite team with a lot of elite players that um yeah. maybe I didn't see so much of you know my whole life yeah John Tavares uh Azam Kadri on mm-hmm. that team um so but if if Kitchener had drafted you it, it would have been an easier decision you're saying well, at the time, it would have been because they had Steve Spot and Pete DeBoer was the head coach, and that was, you know, they had a really good yeah. team, and they were just coming off, I think, winning the Memorial Cup, and that was kind of, um, you know, a prototypical great place to, to go and learn from great coaches, great team, um, pretty nice city, and uh, just obviously didn't work out um, that way, but it, London, you know, I think w- was a better fit for me that year anyway, so... Um, I really, at the time I might've been a little bit bummed, but, um, it turned out to be, you know, one of my best years of my life and learning <laughs> from, from Dale and, and, um, uh, just enjoying my time up there. Yeah. I'll say that was a, that was a heck of a year you had there. And, and I mean, you must've played the, the, the records will show including playoffs, I think 89 games, but when you factor in, uh, preseason and all that kind of stuff, you're probably pushing a hundred or right around a hundred, um, I guess maybe the one down thing about that year was not making the the World Junior team. How much of a disappointment was that? And, I mean, I feel like you vindicated yourself quite nicely the, the next year, but um, not not making that U.S. team that year. What, what did that feel like? Yeah, that was a pretty big gut punch. And I think, um, you know, I, I obviously would be thrilled to, to make that team, but, um, you know, I felt like I'd, I had a good opportunity. I thought I was playing, you know, the best hockey of, of my life at that point. And, um, you know, it just kind of made me refocus myself on, you know, maybe the little things that I need to get better at or, or what have you, but it also just kind of started a fire in me a little bit to, you know, kind of stick it to them a little bit. And then, um, when that season ends and you had a heck of a playoff run there, uh, at, at London that year, way more than a point a game, and Hershey's still in the uh, in the Calder Cup playoffs, and they obviously went on to win it that year. What what was that experience like as as a 19 year old kid to walk onto a a championship caliber professional team and play play regularly there for them during the playoffs? Yeah, it was. You know, I think it was an adjustment for me, um, especially early on. I think it it probably took me you know, at least that first series against Wilkes-Barre to kind of um, get my footing. I think I was lucky to have a lot of kind of the other guys that I knew um, leading into the whole thing were already there because they had already, you know, kind of lost out in junior or whatever, like Holtz was there. And there was a number of other guys that at least I had some some good relationships with. That, was there. Yeah, yeah, but that you, you know, kind of – you're staying in a hotel at that time, a young kid, yeah. and he, they kind of already mapped out everything and 
this is where we eat and this is kind of uh, everything was new, obviously. Yeah. But I think the you know jumping into a you know second round of playoffs is not easy, and um, but at the same time, it was great to to be on such a great team right away and get another chance. You know, coming off of a loss in, in London, I think you kind of are very bummed and, and now you get another chance to compete and you know a, a good chance to win a championship and i mean you won two calder cup championships and a gold medal in the world juniors all in a, a span of months really and made your nhl debut what was because that was the that would have been the season after all this what I mean, what was that like to to have all that all those sort of accolades and trophies and championships and medals and stuff and you're still not quite 20 years old uh, for for most of it yeah and kind of back to our our talk a few minutes ago I think that just was so great to have that many different experiences and different chances to succeed and different players to see up close and personal and play with and learn from and coaches and all that I think um, it was it was wild I think there was a a lot of moving parts all the time a lot of travel Um, but obviously you know, my goal always my whole life was to play in the NHL. And I think, you know, all of that kind of culminating with, a, you know, my start in the NHL, that was probably, you know, besides the Stanley Cup, you know, my, my greatest hockey memory, I think. And just as a kid, how much you think about it, yeah. dream about it, work at it, um, to be fulfilled with that is, uh, was pretty special for me. Yeah, I mean, so you had those – yeah, I guess 22 games that first year, and three of them came right around Thanksgiving. I think three and four or something um, in November, right around uh, just ahead of Thanksgiving. When you look back on it now, what was the what was the hardest part of the, the adjustment from from OHL to a- AHL, and then again from AHL uh, to NHL? Because I feel like your transition was as seamless as as any defenseman I've ever seen come through here. Yeah, I think the OHL was a little bit more like the NHL, uh, obviously a lot lower grade, but um, just kind of gameplay-wise and, you know, the skill level and that skill level kind of showing through more in the AHL was at that time. Now it's a lot more younger, a lot more um, kind of, mirroring the NHL I would say Um, but then it was it was a lot of structure that um, most junior leagues didn't have in terms of systems and and all that so it was a lot to to pick up on uh, a lot of different style of hockey than we played in London Um, and so I had to work on a lot of you know different parts of my games to kind of be able to succeed there so that was a, a good learning process for me I think that kind of once you I made it to the NHL or had the chance to, to play in the NHL. You kind of had the the best of both worlds and, the, you know, playing with super, super skilled guys that, you know, are still the super, super skilled guys in the league and playing against, you know, some of those guys as well. And then um, having a really good structure feel of, uh, you know, an organization in, in, in Hershey and kind of blend the two and work your way from there. You and, and Holtz and, uh, Jay Beagle, Carl Alsner, you guys were part of that first generation to to be able to work with Steve Richmond, general as mm-hmm. we call him. Yeah, that that position was created kind of almost right when you guys all came in. 
Um, and he's obviously still here and having a, a, an impact. I feel like a guy, a guy like yourself maybe um, that had that, that self-assuredness that we talked about a little earlier maybe didn't have as much of a need um, for a guy like him. But I know that he, he hopped around and visited you. What, how, how much did that help, just knowing that there was, there was somebody? Because this, this was something that they identified that, that was lacking organizationally. Now every team's got one or two or three guys like this. Um, and it, this wasn't that long ago that, you know, this was, uh, again, to me, kind of fascinating how teams, any little thing you can do to, to try to get better and try to get guys better and develop and, and evolve players. Um, and this was sort of, it was very much in its nascent stages at that time. And it seems like it's made, I guess there's no real great way of measuring it because every crop is different. But how do you feel like that that worked for you? Yeah, I think it's, especially as a younger guy and you're kind of, okay, well, any player that comes to a training camp or after they get drought, okay, what do I need to work on? What do I need to get better at? What do you, you know, you don't ask, but... You know, what kind of role does this team have for you and what do you need to become? And um, I think as a young guy, you have all these thoughts going around in your mind and a guy like Steve will be able to, you know, kind of categorize them for you and um, really give you something to shoot for, whether it's small or vast. I think, um, you know, I think, you know, if you just get better at, you know, playing rushes or – cleaning up the front of the net a little bit more, be a little bit more aggressive down the wall, whatever it is. I think Mm -hmm. it's nice to hear from a guy directly from the team to um, be hearing that from, not your coach. Oh, I think you should do this. That's great too. Obviously you're going to learn from everyone, but um, you know, when you're trying to make the NHL to hear from the team that you're trying to make is, uh, is a big relationship to, to build, especially for, for young guys that, you know, in other places might not have a very clear vision of what do I need to do better? What do I need to improve on? And, and just your standing within the organization is, is nice to at least, you know, feel like, uh, you know, you mean a lot to, to them. And I think it's, uh, you know, Steve's been awesome to me my whole career. It's nice to see him, you know, a few times every year still, but um, you know, certainly that relationship was, was big to me and just kind of sometimes giving you a kick in the butt. Sometimes it's, you know, making sure that, you know, we see what you're doing. Just little things like that mean a lot to a, to a young player with, with big aspirations. <clears throat> what, um, you did make the, uh, the junior team, obviously the world junior team that, that second year and obviously had a tremendous impact. That 10 year anniversary of that is right around the corner, but the uh, the game-winning goal in Canada against Canada. I mean, you've, you've done a lot of great things in your career since. W- where does that rank for you right now? That's that's pretty high, especially in Holtz's hometown, too. That was, that was special. <laughs> you I still always, lord that over him? I always give that to him uh, a few times. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was a big moment. It was obviously, you know, it's getting a lot more popular, that tournament. Um, yeah where a lot more eyes are on it, a lot of more more people watch it. And um, I think for sure for me, being left off that team, really I wanted to make a statement the next year when I did make the team and wanted to have that impact. And, um, you know, it, 
it's a special tournament at a special time of year, I think. And just that being the only experience I have, I've never been to one or really watched one before that prior to going to London and seeing it that year. Um, that really, you know, top level tournament. I wanted to, to make a, make a statement and, you know, show, you know, who I was as a player, but also, you know, prove myself that I deserve to be on the team last year as well. And you were able to make an Olympic team a few years later. Um, when you look back on those experiences now, what were the best parts? Because I think every guy wants to represent his country in those those tournaments. Um, they only last a couple of weeks. They're, they're, you know, it's hard to sort of build some cohesion and all that in that short amount of time. But when you look back on those experiences now, what were the best parts of them off the ice? Um, I think just communicating and becoming friends from with other people from other teams that you know you have no clue about if you hate them or love them or envy them whatever it is I think uh it makes for for some good theater and makes for some good relationships to grow that you know you otherwise never have I would say and I just think that the coolest thing about playing for your country is it's just easy to for everyone to get behind and um I think there's been a lot of people around here or anywhere that I meet and they find out I've played in the Olympics and they're like, Oh my God, I was a track runner. Or I was a pole vaulter. Like this is the pinnacle of sports. And that's so cool that you were able to, to play in it. And it's, you know, it, to a lot of people, it means more than the Stanley cup. And to some, it might not, but it still is, is very high up there. I think, um, for me, it was, it was a special time, a dream come true. And I just hope that, um, we get the opportunity to to do it again. Yeah, it's one of the one of the highlights of my time here was uh, just suddenly going to the White House on on New Year's Day that year to to shoot your um, the day that we found out that you you would be on that team. I thought mm-hmm. that was a, a really cool uh, way of announcing it and yeah. and uh, putting it out there. It was a, it was a fun day. Um, you know, you talked about all the travel between Indy and London and Hershey and all the first few years, but then when you finally got here. Um, there was no other than the travel for games and stuff. You get settled here and you're playing in every game and you're gradually increasing your role. But man, there was some unrest as far as coaches. You you, you go through Bruce and and Dale and then uh, Adam Oates in in pretty short uh, period of time. And even during Bruce's last couple of years, there were some systematic changes. One of them in season, like mid season, which I don't think I've ever seen before or since. And it actually took. Um, what was that experience like for you? It seemed like a lot of guys' heads were kind of spinning with how fast things were changing from year to year and camp to camp during that period of time. Yeah, I think it was it's tough on everyone, but I think as a player, you you know, I think back to what I've learned from, from each of them and, and just how different they all were. Um, it kind of helps, you know, make you a well-rounded player just dealing with different personalities and, learning different uh, tendencies and things that, that different coaches like. I think at the end of the day, it's it sucked that it was like that because we were losing. You know, that that's the bottom line. It doesn't matter what happens or how good or bad you feel like you're playing. Um, it's really all about winning, and if you're not winning, things are going to change. You know, stuff's going to happen that maybe you don't agree with, but um, we just had so many good teams that, that couldn't find a way, and – um, I think as a player at the end of the day too, you're like, well, you know, this, 
this team really wants to win and they're going to exhaust every option they can to to try to find the the right thing and then you finally do win obviously in in 2018 um, and then last year, don't get out of the the first round, losing in double overtime of Game Seven. When you when you when you look back at June seventh, two thousand eighteen, now with the benefit of not getting as far as you would have liked last season, how how do you look at it differently now? The experience of winning and what it takes to get there, what it might take to do again. How do you look at it differently than you did, say, the morning of June 8th when you woke up as as champion? Yeah, I think there's just so much that goes into it. I think when you think about the end of it, it's uh, it's all glorious. But, um, you know, I think we had to realize the next season that we couldn't wait until June 8th to, you know, try to do everything possible to win that game. And, and that's how playoffs are. That's how the league is. There's too many good teams. There's too many um, talented players to to not uh, put all your chips on the table and the, when the puck drops in, in game one. And I think um, that was a good learning lesson for us right away to kind of get slapped in the face. And, um, you know, we're, things aren't easy in this league in the regular season and certainly not in the playoffs. And, I think uh, we have even more of an appreciation for what we did, um, you know, the year prior based off of, you know, the the trials that we went through last year. Everyone's looking at your your incredible start this season. We, go, we you know, go around the, uh, the circuit. We were out west last month. Everyone wants to know, you know, what's changed? What's different um, in John Carlson this year? And, you know, it, it's hard to, to put a finger on it. Todd uh, mentioned during, you know, is in response to one of these questions that he thought you um, spending summers here and, and skating here and working out here made a difference. Do, do you agree with that, or is is there anything else that you think maybe is a a larger factor? No, I I think more so just the way that our team is this year, or the way that we're constructed. I think um, you know we're playing a lot more aggressive, and I think that's allowing us to you know, be on the attack more than being stuck in our zone. So um, we're obviously always working on every part of our game and trying to find new ways to, to get better. But I think just subtle changes in the neutral zone and, and in the offensive zone have um, have really kind of pole vaulted our, our offense. And I think that that side of the game has certainly, um, you know, increased for me just based on, a couple of those minor changes that uh, feels like we're, we're playing a lot more offense, feels like we're attacking a lot more than defending. So um, that means a lot to, to a player like me, I think. Last thing before we let you go, kind of a little fun one maybe. I don't know. Um, when I look at your, your career arc and your career line, I think that that first full season you had maybe 44 penalty minutes, and it's kind of been – below that I think that's your career high in the NHL but like when you look back at, at like London and, and Indy it's some 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 high PIM numbers there were you, were you an angry young guy or was that just what, what was going on there I don't really remember actually um I must have I must have been a little salty being a younger guy um I don't I, know I even remember seeing I think one of those scouting reports that I alluded to earlier um, and it might have been Dale himself who said it. Yeah, he can fight too. Yeah, that was uh, 
maybe maybe he came to the couple times that I ever did fight. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, yeah, I don't know where where all those penalty minutes came from. I must have been slashing or tripping a lot of people. Interesting. Um, well, we appreciate you uh, you spending some time and um, hope continued success uh, on the ice as well. And uh, yeah, hopefully uh, you guys can keep this thing going into uh, June as well. It's been a fun season to see uh, the start of for sure. Thanks, folks. Always appreciate uh, chatting with you. Thanks for having me on the, the hot seat. And thanks to all of you out there uh, for listening. Have uh, have good holidays, and we'll we'll try to do this again, uh, hopefully before Christmas, with it as yet to be named guest. Yes.